I see Opal May and Hattie and Virginia, a.k.a. Granny, to these two. I'm so glad to have you, Hattie and Opal. Yeah. All right. HWC, today that is us. We are having a Thanksgiving meal immediately following today's service. So please hang around. You won't have to cook, ladies. You won't have to go to a restaurant. You can't ask for it any better than that. Free food. So come on. It'll be good, too. David Clifton, there is a huge need, not just a need, but a huge need. How about that? For camera operators in our services, please see David if you can help. Now, I will say, Caneo students, it's a great opportunity to earn your hours, and you're helping in a wonderful ministry. So please see David Clifton. Divas, we're having a meeting Saturday, November the 11th at 10 a.m. in the Fellowship Hall. The message will be celebrating November Christmas by Cherie Wood. Holiday refreshments will be provided. Now, that's next Saturday. Uh, the fourth one, we are updating our church directory information for each person that comes to Harvest. So if you'll please see Cherie Wood again to confirm your information for her that it's all correct. She will be at the back table back here in the foyer for the next couple of weeks asking for your help updating this information. This also includes if you want to be a part of the instant messaging and emails when we have special meetings, prayer meetings, services, or very special prayer requests. So it's important for you guys to get hooked up on that. Um, also, good announcement here, Children's Church, they're starting their Christmas play practice. It's every Sunday and Wednesday, so please, parents and uh, the children that ride the bus, make sure you're here for Sunday and uh, Wednesday services. That's from Lisa King. All righty, are all hearts clear? Let's stand. It's good to see you in God's house. We're going to celebrate Thanksgiving in just a little bit. We're going to do it early. <laughs> Amen. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to call on your name. We give you glory and honor and praise to gather once again. We ask God for the divine protection in this nation, divine protection all over, Father God, where any terrorists may be, God. We ask for divine protection. We ask that their plans be thwarted and uprooted and that the chatter would be picked up in Jesus' name. We send forth the angels to go and minister and to fight on our behalf. And we know, God, that they are ministering on Israel's behalf. And we still stand. God, we will not be put in peer pressure or intimidated by those that protest against Israel. For, Father, we know that you neither slumber nor sleep who watch over that land. And, God, Israel will not be destroyed because it's part of your plan and part of your purpose in these last days. Oh, God, as we watch the Bible unfold, help us to be ready. Help us to reap this harvest, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. And all the saints said, amen. Now let's amen. worship the Lord for praise. Lord praise this morning. Come on. Let everything, everything that has breath, that has breath, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let everything, everything that has breath, that has breath, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Praise in the valley, praise you on the mountain.
cause you reigned. Praise cause you rose and defeated the grave. Our King calls you faithful. Praise cause you true. Praise cause there's nobody greater than you. Our praise cause you faithful. Praise cause you reigned. Praise cause you rose and defeated the grave. Praise cause you faithful. Praise cause you true. Praise cause there's nobody greater than you. Oh, my soul. Come on. and the Lord of Lords. The Bible says when all the armies of the world are gathered together in Megiddo, he's going to come in the eastern sky. Behold a white horse. He that rides upon him is called faithful. Somebody say faithful and true. Aren't you glad, praise God, that even though you see the turmoil and the mess that our God, somebody say our God, our God, our God is going to set it right in Jesus' name. And Jesus is going to reign. Somebody say he's going to rain. Sing a song of celebration. Lift up a shout of praise. For the bridegroom will come. The glorious one. And oh. We will look on his face. We will go to a much better place. You believe that? Yeah. 
So dance with all your might. Lift up your hands and clap for joy. The time's drawing
the wedding feast to come is now near at hand. Lift up your voice, proclaim the coming land. Oh, sing aloud for the time of rejoicing is near. Is soon to appear. The wedding feast to come is now near at hand. Lift up your voice, proclaim the coming.
people join in the song of the land. We will join in the song of the land. Come on, give that lamb some praise this morning. in the midst of all the fear the midst of everything that's going on in the world speak the name speak the name of Jesus somebody say Jesus, Jesus. say it again say Jesus. Jesus say I speak the name, speak the name. of Jesus we bless you Lord I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. There is peace within your presence. Oh, I speak Jesus.
and Jesus for my family. I speak the holy name of Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over Somebody praise him this morning. Praise him this morning. You know, I was got a phone call right before service this morning when I was in my office and uh, early this morning, and there was a woman on the other end, and she said, pray for my daughter Stephanie, that she will come in her right mind, and that the devil would loose his attack on her. So let's pray right now for Stephanie. Father, we just lift Stephanie up before you right now. God, you are greater, Lord. You're greater than this attack of the devil. We say, Satan, we command you to loose her and to let her go in Jesus' name. We speak the name of Jesus over her. We speak the blood of Jesus over her now. And Lord, we ask you, Lord God, right now by your power, loose her and let her go. Lord, let her be freed, completely healed, brought into a right mind in the name of Jesus. Father, delivered, 
Let your name be magnified, Lord. Get glory for your name, Jesus. Glory for your name. Hallelujah. Mm. Oh, we praise you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Maybe this morning, maybe you know somebody right now that, 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 that's on drugs or alcohol or maybe you know somebody that is bound and, and maybe they're homeless. Maybe they're living on the streets. Maybe they've left home. He's listening to a testimony, uh, a testimony the other day about people that had, you know, their daughters and sons had just left. Don't even know where they're at. That one day they just became different, just walked out, teenagers. And so some of these moms and dads don't, don't even know where their children are. And so we're going to pray right now. We're going to believe that God is going to speak to them and that he's going to touch them and he's going to bring them home. I can't even begin to imagine, you know, what it would be like not to know where your child is at. Not to know where they are. Whether they're dead, whether they're living on the street somewhere, whether they're in sex trafficking or, you know, what, what could it be? What could it be? But Father, we pray right now in the name that is above every name. We ask, Father, that wherever these sons and daughters are, you've given us a promise in the Word of God. You said, Lord, in the last days that you would pour out your Spirit upon all flesh, our sons and our daughters especially. So we pray for every son and every daughter, every child of every mother and father right now. We just say, come home in the name of Jesus. Come home wherever you are. Come home in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask you to touch them by your spirit, by your mighty power, and draw them unto yourself, God. Oh, God, Lord, these prodigals, we just call to them, come home. Come home, prodigals. Come home, prodigals. Come home out of this darkness. Come home in Jesus' name. And, Father, we believe you for that today, God. We believe it, Father. We believe it today in Jesus' name. We believe it. Let me ask you something. Do you know, does anybody know anybody named Harold? Harold, H-A-R, yeah, Harold. All right, that name came to me this morning in prayer, what? Harold Coleman, different nest, but I don't know him, but Harold Coleman. All right, Harold Bell. Anybody here named Harold? You never know. And so this morning, we're going to pray for Harold. Evidently, you know, God, God doesn't just speak to you in prayer, but we're going to pray for Harold, wherever Harold is. Father, we lift up Harold. You know his name. You know us all by name. You've got our hair numbered that's on our head. You know the stars by name. You give the roll call every morning. And Father, we ask right now that you touch Harold. We rebuke whatever Satan's up to in their life. We ask you to send angels to minister to Harold right now. We call him delivered. We call him healed. We call him saved. We call him, Lord God in heaven, out of the darkness into the light. We call him blessed. We ask you, Lord God, deliver him from death, hell, and the work of the enemy now in Jesus' name. Father, help Harold in the name of Jesus. Help him, Father. And Lord, we just believe right now that we receive that, God. We just thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. We give you praise. Praise. Come on now, give me praise for that today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. You can go back to your seat this morning. Look at little Hattie Joe. Isn't she pretty? 
course, May's pretty too. She's sitting back there. Amen. What do you say, buddy? <laughs> yep. Little Hattie, she's special. She she's is. She's special. She felt the Spirit of God and just came up there and hugged me. I'll tell you something, Hattie. You, you probably won't understand all this, but I'm going to tell it for the church. Your daddy was in a service when this man right here sitting on, oh, yeah, his, your daddy too. Hey, Turn man. around and look at this man right here. Brother Hughes right there. And your daddy tried to give him a quarter one night. And your daddy gave it back and said, oh, you're going to have many quarters. And he does. <laughs> he does. And we're thankful for that. Y'all are blessed children. But uh -huh. we want your daddy to have a lot of quarters in the spirit too. Amen. And I believe he will. Amen. I know that probably makes Amen. no sense to you in that little head, but we knew what it meant. That's good, Brother Hughes. I thought you'd enjoy knowing that. Yeah. Yeah. Many quarters. And uh, Mark Barclay had a word over your daddy and, and over his brother brother. and told him there were a couple of Tom Sawyers. And boy, were they ever. <laughs> And I believe we got two right here. I believe so. <laughs> Thomasina. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm supposed to take up the offering, I believe, but I think Cherie's supposed to. Oh, yeah. Okay. So let me just stand to the side. She, he's, well, she's waving for him. All right. All right. Let me take, get you down. You stand over here with me now. Come on. All right. Oh, okay. Oh, you need, oh, God. First of all, we'd like to say from me and the whole church to what a blessing you are to each one of us. You're always there for us. You're always helping us, and you're teaching us and preaching to us and guiding to us the words that we need to hear, and you're teaching us the truth. I thank God every day for bringing me here. Mm. Y'all have thank been God. such a blessing yes, to you, me. Lord. And I know you've Thank been you, a blessing Jesus. to everyone in this church. Thank you. Thank you. We had planned on doing a meal in October, but due to some unforeseen circumstances, we didn't get to have it. So the Thanksgiving meal is also in honor of you two. I have a little something I want to present to y'all, and everybody's going to get a good laugh on me this oh morning. <laughs> <clears throat> but I think Artie had something to do with it. Okay. Oh, my God. I didn't know Artie could talk. Yeah, you did. You said he, you said he could. And after Deborah, this is yours. Oh, I like that book right there. Well, oh, she will use great. it. I can tell you that. Oh, She'll yes. be snuggled up on the couch, wrapped up in that you thing. And so I was going to get you matching ones. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I did not know it until I got it out of the package this morning. This one is yours. <laughs> <laughs> She's got, she's got a bigger mantle than I do. So, I think Artie was sitting there and punched yes. the button for me, and I hit the wrong button on the wrong side, but we'll get it correct. Hey, no, that's perfect for me, believe me. That's perfect. That's perfect. No, that's perfect for me. You also have matching coffee mugs to drink your coffee while you're Okay, well, praise God. Um, Bobby, will you come up? It's Bobby, no, Bobby, will you come up? And we 
Amen. Yes. And Take all the prayer we can get. One or the other is going to start, and the other one will finish up first. Okay. okay. Amen. Praise the Lord. Anybody need a mic? Okay. This is Pastor Appreciation Day, as as you've heard before. Good for you, stretching forth your hands. <laughs> anyway, um, as you've already heard, we're going to have a meal afterwards. But I just want everybody to acknowledge that these are the best pastors that anybody could ever have. Amen. Amen. Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. And we you, praise Lord. you and we thank you for our pastor, thank Lord. You, Jesus. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you anointed him and gave him to us, Lord, to minister to us, Lord, that we could receive and, and, and learn from you, Lord, the whole counsel of God, Lord. And I yes. thank you, Father God, right now, Lord, for him. I pray, Father God, your blessings upon him, Lord. I pray, Father God, right now, Lord, your hand continue to flow on him, Lord, the freshness of your presence. Father, flow out to him, Lord God Almighty, in the name of Jesus, Father God. Lord, we thank you, Father God, right now, as we look to you to lead us by our spirits, Lord God, and not our heads, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, right now, Lord. The outpouring of your spirit, Lord, let it come out, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We are ready, Father, thank to you, receive in the name of Jesus, Father God. We thank you, Father God, right now, Lord, in Jesus' name. You got, a word? You got anything? Hallelujah. Mama said he did bless us with a spirit. Bless us well. I know it's one of you. So she may have something to do. But, but, the, but the, I want to bless him in tongues. Hallelujah. Mm. And then, oh, my 
Surely you walk together to agree uh, upon this earth that shall be done for them which uh, they ask. And the Lord will speak unto you and say, Expand your asking. Expand your enlarge your asking. Ask for the great things. And I will God will grant them unto you. In fact, they're already granted. Just ask. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Well, thank you. Well, girls, if you want to walk with me up here, I'll show you how to take up an offering. <laughs> All right. You may be seated if the ushers will come. We're going to receive tithe and offering today. I thank you so much for those who support. And this, really, the size on this, Cherie, I promise you it's perfect. It really is because he's more like just throws one over his lap or his legs, and that's it. He don't cuddle, you know, he don't roll up like a caterpillar like me. So this really is perfect. But on the other hand, this is also a great example of Bidenomics. I just <laughs> so, but don't think about that Amen. when we wear it, okay? Amen. Amen. But this is the way we, we defeat inflation, anything, right yes, here. We, it is. we tithe and we give. Now, girls, right. this is what you do. When you go to church, you, you put in the plate and you give in the offering. And God, God just blesses us back, not because we give to get, but He's just such a good God. That's what He does. He takes care of us, you know what? Amen. Mm -hmm. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give and bless those who give today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Put that in the And you put that in the plate and go put back to Virginia. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go ahead and stand together this morning for the reading of the word. Good to see you in God's house, and thank you again uh, for your gifts and your prayers. And uh, I think it's Grace Church on Earth. Praise God. Amen. God is good. Amen. Let's go ahead and turn to the book of James. The book of James. <clears throat> Chapter number one. We'll talk about the tempter's cycles. And the Bible says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Blessed is the man that endures temptation. Uh, that word endured is important because he means standing under the load. 
Everybody say standing under. Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lusts and enticed. And then when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. How many knows that you don't have to let sin have a finished work? Amen. You can stop it through the blood. Do not err, my beloved brethren, for every gift, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Amen. Father, thank you today for your word. I ask you in the name of Jesus to touch our hearts and our minds. Holy Spirit, that you'd cause every word to come forth accurately, boldly as you'd have it to come. Father, we pray for you would transform lives, save, heal, and deliver with an outstretched arm, break every work of the enemy, set every captive free. Father, we thank you today for the anointing of your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. amen. You can be seated this morning. If I could just take you back this morning into the garden, Adam and Eve, God's first children. Everybody say God's first children. Amen. Into the garden because the garden was an environment that was perfect. God's garden. Wouldn't it be nice to be in a place that was perfect? You didn't turn on the news and ever hear nothing bad. Matter of fact, you didn't even have to turn on the news. Now say amen. amen. Not affected by darkness, not affected by evil, not affected by anything that goes on heartache, pain, misery, strife, all of the things that exist in the world. And so God, when God created man, when he created woman, he put them in the garden, the Bible says, and he gave them the command. He said, I want you to prune it. I want you to keep it. And he said, you may eat of every tree except the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is the commandment that God gave to them. You can eat of every tree in the garden, every tree in the garden, except the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so it isn't long after this. We really don't know how long, how many years, or what kind of a time frame that it may be. But one of the things that you see is that the tempter enters the picture. And so any time that the devil comes crawling into a situation, it's not good. He likes to slither up in anything that he possibly can to try to ruin it, mar it, cause pain, cause hurt, any of those things. So, you know, because when he comes, trouble comes. Confusion comes. All of these things start. And so if I could say this, this is where cycles start at. Do you understand anything? Cycles is just like, it happens again, and it happens again, and it happens again. 
And I'm sure everybody here this morning could say to yourself, man, it's like deja vu. It's like, man, I'm on this this merry-go-round. I'm in this cycle. I can't seem to get out of it. I can't seem to break it. What's, you know, why is this happening to me? And so there are cycles. I mean, they're all through the Word of God, and I'm not going to take a lot of time to go into that this morning in the light of time, but it's always the same. Your cycles are. You can break the cycle. Somebody say, break the cycle. Break the cycle. I know that there are marriages that don't make it because of PMS. Prophetic mood swings. Yeah. But it's so good when you learn the cycle and you understand that I've turned into Mr. Hyde and I'm supposed to be Mr. Jekyll. And so you understand cycles. When a person understands cycles, you know what you're going to face. You know what's coming, and you know what to do to overcome it and conquer it and understand that's not me. That's a cycle that's trying to get me into it. Amen? And so it's desires to do evil, you know, doing crazy things. I mean, we could talk about a dozen things, but they really happen in cycles, and it's always the same. In Genesis chapter number 3, it says this. Now the serpent, now listen closely. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman. Everybody say, that snake can talk. Uh Uh-huh, say the snake talks. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is what he said. Somebody said, this is what he said. Yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. You see, the devil knew what God said. He didn't have to ask that question. He was there. Uh, you got to get this, and that's important. The devil knew exactly what God had said, just as much as Eve did when she heard it. See, what he wanted to do was to sow doubt into her mind, questions, to cause Eve to question God by tempting her to not trust what God had said when he gave the command. And so this is why God said what he said. This is why he did this. He gave them the command. And so now listen. And the woman said, verse number 2, and the woman said unto the serpent, Look at somebody say, don't talk to the devil. Tell him to go if you're going to talk to him. Amen. She's carried on a conversation. You ever carried on a conversation with somebody and they begin to draw you into their confusion? You begin to say, man, my, my God, man, I feel a battle going on in my mind right now while this person is talking to me. Get this. And the woman said unto the serpent, Well, we may eat of every, eat of the fruit of of the trees of the garden, but of of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. All right? You see, the forbidden always produces death. Everybody say that. Say the forbidden always produces death. Always, always. And so the enemy comes and he puts a twist on what God says here. And he says these words. And I'm just going to paraphrase it. 
All right? And this is also happening in Eve's mind. You've got to think about this. Because once she began to engage in that conversation of that enemy, that thought that he put in her mind, she began to answer him. Now, we don't know how many times the enemy came to her and talked to her. We don't know. But I'm going to tell you one thing. It wasn't overnight. I said it wasn't overnight. Now, listen. So the twist, well, it's not that bad. It couldn't be that bad. It couldn't be that bad. And so the devil, when he's interjecting that thought, this is what he does to us. This is what he does to people. He says, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. A little bit of that won't hurt. I mean, you know, just it's not what they're saying that it is. Listen, if God tells you it's bad, it's bad. I know because I've done things God said not to do and wished I hadn't have done it. Look up on somebody and say, I have too because I don't want you lying. Now listen, it really won't kill you like you think it will. All right? And so the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. You surely won't die. And God said what? In the day that you eat this fruit, you shall surely die. And the serpent comes along and puts a spin on it and says what? You shall not surely die. See, because God wasn't talking about a physical death. God was talking about a spiritual death, which is separation from him. Now, I want you to think about this lofty place that they were in. I have to put myself in that garden. I have to begin to think. There had to be music in the garden. I'm, I'm just going wild on you here. It was such an absolutely perfect environment that there was not a day that you could get up and, did, and felt bad. Every day was a good day. There was never a bad day, never a sickness, never an ache, never a pain, never a trouble, never a trial, never anything like that that existed. You didn't have to worry about adversaries or any of those things. Only one thing that God said to them, he said, you can eat of every tree in the garden except for the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. For in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. The serpent comes along, said to the woman, you shall not surely die. You're not going to really die. For God just knows that in the day that you eat thereof, your eyes are going to be opened. Did you hear me? And you shall be as gods, knowing good from evil. See, because prior to that time, they only knew good. Somebody say, they only knew good. Oh, my God, this is so important. I'm going to help somebody this morning. See, the enemy always wants to appeal to the flesh man. All right? Their flesh had not been awakened yet. And so the Bible says in verse number 6 of Genesis here, it says, and when the woman saw, everybody say visual, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, this is what she thought. It won't poison me. The devil was really telling her that. It won't poison you. It won't, it won't make you toxic. See, that's the way the adversary works. Listen, it's the same way with the first drug we ever take. Same way with the first time we ever fornicate. If we fall into adultery. It's the first time if we ever, that first drink that we take. Or that first lie that we tell. It's when we get in that place when that happens to us because the enemy's warning us. They say, it won't poison you. 
But you know what? It sets off a toxic lie for you. Because the moment that that happens, something changes. Listen, she saw that it was pleasant to the eyes. It appealed to her when she looked at it. And then the Bible said that it was pleasant to the eyes. And then the Bible said it was a tree desired to make one wise. Okay, you're listening? Track with me. Hold on. And so she took the fruit at that point and bit into it. That's what happens to us. Amen. See, God loves us. God is screaming to the top of his voice, don't do it, don't eat it, don't go, don't partake of it, stay away from it because in the day that you eat it, it's going to be like death. It's going to grip you. It's going to mess with you. It's going to put toxicity in your life. It's going to poison you, and you're going to be full of shame, and you're going to be full of guilt, and you're going to have this thing to deal with. And this is what the enemy wants you to think. I am nothing more than a piece of trash. I'm angry. Why did I do that? Anger comes out against somebody else. It comes out against family. It comes out against friends. We, then we find ourselves distancing ourselves from other things. Come on. And the Bible said she ate that fruit. Listen, what did she say? When, when the woman came and she looked at the fruit, she saw that it was good for food, saying, thinking to herself, well, it's not going to poison me. God didn't say it would poison me. He said not to eat it. All right? But if God says don't do it, that means it'll poison you. Now listen. Then it's desired. She desired it because she said it would make her wise. I remember when I was in high school, this is what the devil would say to me. He said, smoke some pot and it'll make you wise. And I'm like, man, I see some people that ain't working too good for. I said, come on. How many have ever been told that lie? In Scripture, when you look at this right here, you actually study it out, and some scholars actually feel like that it was a drug that he gave to the woman. I know when you see it, you see an apple tree. But isn't it true? It's like that. Oh, man, you know, take a few hits of this. It'll make you wise. It'll make you wise, make you feel better. See, the lie you buy never affects just you. Because the moment she bit it, she said, man, something different. She looked over and said, here, you eat this. Standing right by her side. That man's, that man's right there. He's right there. Why didn't Adam say, stop it? Don't, don't you get that fruit? Amen. You know how we are. We don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to make my wife mad. <laughs> I don't want that person to be angry at me. I'm going to find out herself. Go ahead and bite it and let's see what happens. She bit the fruit. She knew something happened. Her eyes flew open. She's sitting there. She's seeing Adam in a different way because now he's naked. She don't even know what's happening to her. And she gives, the Bible said, listen to what she says. And she gave also unto her husband and he ate it. Hmm. And the eyes of both of them were opened. And the enemy said, you're going to be like God. You're going to know good and evil. Everything that goes on, man, you're going to know everything. And you know what? In that moment and in that time, she knew everything that she didn't know. She knew that they were naked. Adam knew that they were naked. They were looking. They felt different in their bodies. They felt different in their mind. Now listen to me. Mm -hmm. See, Eve didn't understand that God was protecting her by setting boundaries. 
Everybody say boundaries. To protect them from evil. It's so like when I was growing up, my dad would say, boy, don't you get in that car without me knowing it. If you do, I'm going to tear your tail up. Did I ever do it? Yes. I remember one night I was in Collinsville, Virginia, and I thought, my daddy knew I was here. He'd kill me. Because I was like 15, 20, probably like 30 miles from home. Late at night. My daddy would say things to me, boy, don't do this, or boy, don't do that. Anytime he used the word boy, you knew that he meant what he said. Amen? And you could bank on him, you know, punishing you. But he was telling me because he knew he had experienced it. He had tasted of it, and he had been delivered from it and saved from it, praise God. Somebody say Amen. He went, from haul, he went from being a drunk that could pull two-week drunks and hauling bootleg liquor and having his tires shut off by the police to seeing him kneel in the living room at a brick hearth, giving his heart to Jesus and being absolutely changed. He went from a hellion to a heaven man. Amen. That's what the power of God can do. And so he was telling me because he knew. Somebody say, he knew. He knew. He knew. And so the reason that God had spoken to them is because he was telling them, I'm setting these boundaries and I'm letting you know that if you do this, it's going to cause death in your life. It's going to kill you. It's going to destroy you. It'll separate you from me. All right? So God only wanted her to know good. He only wanted them to know good. I think that's the thing about every one of us here because we guard our children with our lives. We don't want them watching certain things. We don't want people messing with them. We don't want them going here and going there. And I mean, the first time something like that happens, you know, you come out mama bears like screaming and yelling like. And like daddy said, I will beat the out of them. Come on, because we guard our kids. We guard our seed. Because we want them to know only good. We just want to protect them. Somebody say amen. And the moment that we taste of evil, what happens to us? The same thing that's happening here in this garden. You see, because number one, when, they, when she partakes of this fruit, when Satan's telling her all of this, he never ever mentions to them what they're going to experience once they taste it. He knew. Somebody say, he knew. Let me tell you something about the devil. He was never tempted to fall. He did it because he wanted to. He comes and tempts us. Huh? He was in the presence of God. He saw God with these things. He worshiped God. He knew the awesomeness of God. But he wanted to be God. And when he saw that creation of man and woman, what he wanted to do, he wanted that destroyed because it was made in the likeness and the image of God and he was made a created being, an angel. He could never be human. Mm -hmm. Come on. He's a fallen angel. He's a tempter. He can never be flesh and blood. Angels are not flesh and blood. They're human beings. They're, they're angelic, supernatural beings. But we are flesh and blood. The devil cannot be human. And so you know what he does? He tempts us. To go against everything that God said, don't do it because if you do, it's going to cause you shame and misery and heartache and guilt and embarrassment. All of these things are going to begin to come into your life. It'll separate you from me. It'll keep you from eternal life. This is what he's saying to them. And the Bible said this. He said, and when they partook of that fruit, the Bible said, and they knew that they were naked. Everybody say they knew that they were naked. And they sowed, so when they knew that they were naked, you know the first thing it said, they were shamed. They felt shame. They knew they were naked. 
They felt shame. And then they sewed fig leaves together. They, they began to do some kind of work to try to cover that nakedness. Isn't that what we do? Man, I've messed up. I've sinned. I've done this. I, I, I've got to do something to fix this because that's exactly what we try to do. We try to fix it. You can't fix it. I said, you can't fix it. They couldn't fix it. They went and sewed those fig leaves together. Can you see that? I believe they're saying, Adam, honey, I don't know, but I, you know, I, I, I got all this stuff going on in my head. I feel all this stuff right now. I, I feel like I, I'm, I'm afraid of God. I'm, I'm, I, I feel so much shame. I, I, I don't even know how to coin these, this stuff that I'm feeling in my life. All I know is that I'm broken. I'm not whole like I used to be. And so they tried to sew these fig leaves together because they wanted to try to do some kind of work. Well, if I do this, God won't see me naked. I'm covering up what I used to couldn't see. Come on. And then the Bible said they made themselves aprons. That They tried to, to do self-righteousness. They tried to work and they made those aprons and they put them on. And they were hoping that everything would go away, that they would get away from that feeling of shame and guilt. Have you see, what I'm telling you is this, is that the moment that you fornicate and you end up pregnant or out of wedlock, then you've got this great shame and weight that's hanging over your life. And the devil wants you to feel that shame and he wants you to feel you know, like a piece of trash and he wants you to feel like a nothing. But God, on the other hand, wants you to know one thing. He said, look, he said, you might have fallen, but don't try to fix it yourself, but I can fix it. I can take care of it. I sent my son to die on the cross for you to shed his blood. He can cover that. He can wash away the guilt and the stain and the sin. Hmm? It's like the first drug and, you, and then you end up in a rehabilitation center. God, I've ministered to people in rehabilitation centers. I've been to the prisons and ministered in the prisons and people are broken. They're full of shame. They're full of guilt. A lot of them are suicidal. Some have committed suicide over the years because they just can't live with it anymore. They can't live with what they did. They can't live with what they went through because they didn't just do it to themselves. They did it to their mothers and their fathers and their brothers and their sisters and their, their families. And now this, can, this cancerous thing called sin has spread. That's exactly what sin does to us. It eats us alive alive and it makes us not want to come into the presence of God because the devil says you can't go to him he's holy he's lifted high he's almighty and he hates you he hates sin he does not like where you're at right now listen you understand one thing it doesn't matter how low you go it doesn't matter how dark that it gets there is somebody that gave the best that he had for you because he listen God knows how low you can go I said, God knows how low you can go. He said, I can take care of the sin of bestiality, much less adultery or fornication or homosexuality. He said, I can take care of the sin of, of, of the things of murder. I can take care of the sin when you wiped out not just one person, but an entire family line that would come out of their loins. And it's called the blood of Jesus. Because when God realized what they had done. The Bible said that he came down like he always did. He came down every day. Father God came down every day and he would walk with Adam and Eve. Can you imagine walking with God, the creator? Dear God. Man, we get in here and have a little bit of Holy Ghost to touch us. Adam was full blown, full grown, you know, holy presence, power, you know, majesty, creator God, walking with Adam and Eve and they were glowing like light bulbs. And when God came down on that day when they had sinned, he already knew what happened. 
but he knew that he knew the guilt, he knew the shame, he knew that Satan wanted them to run in fear, he knew that Satan wanted them to go hide and never look at him again. Come on, somebody. And you know what God did? Adam, where are you? Now, he called for him. Adam didn't call for God. Father God called for Adam, human he cre the created son of God. He created Adam. He called out for his creation. Every one of us today belong to him. You might be lost, but you can be found. Now listen to me. So when daddy comes down, when father God comes down, the first thing he does is says, Adam, Adam, where are you? I'm looking for you. Where are you? Because you always meet me right here. The devil doesn't want you coming into God's presence. He doesn't want you to know good again. He doesn't want you to know forgiveness. He doesn't want you to know righteousness. He doesn't want you to know peace. He doesn't want you to know what being put together is. He doesn't want you to know what having that relationship with your father is like. And he'll do anything on his filthy, God, ungodly power to keep you out of the very presence of God that makes you whole. Come on, somebody. And so what does he do? God comes down and says, I know what you're doing, you foul snake. And he called, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? Man, I can remember growing up, and my, you know, because I know how it is, you know, when, when you're raising a child and you can't find them and you start calling for them, you say, bless God, I'm coming through that wall. Whatever it takes for me to get there where you're at, I'm coming. And low bit, God forbid that that child cries out with a scream because you will make a door. You will make a way where there is no way. Come on now. And say what our Father does, and I'll make a way where there is no way. I'll make the crooked places straight. I'll exalt the valley. I'll bring every mountain low. He said, I'm going to do whatever I can do to get to you because I love you. You belong to me. I know that devil. I know what's in him. I know how bad he is and how evil that he is and that he ruins everything he touches. Now listen. We're over here because we're naked. We're hiding. God said, who told you? Who told you? See, God never said you're naked. Oh, you didn't catch this. I said, God never said you're naked. What happened? Now, we might, mom and daddies to do that stuff. But our father never came and said, Adam, where are you? We're over here, we're hiding because we're naked. Who told you? See, he's right at the beginning of human history, God has given us some wisdom. It's the devil that calls you trash. It's the devil that tells you you can never be this and never attain to that. It's the devil that tells you nobody will ever accept you, nobody loves you. And God, you think God is going to love you? Do you think that God cares about you? I mean, after all, look at all the garbage that he's allowed you to get in. No, oh, wait just a minute. We got in the garbage because we went there. Adam and Eve found out they were naked because they ate the fruit. It was their fault. But did God come down and blame them? Absolutely not. He didn't even say, you're naked, you're, you're, I'm ashamed of you, you, you just, I'll never have you again in my presence. That's not what God did, is it? No. See, I'm trying to show you something about your father this morning. Listen, listen, who told you that you were naked? The serpent. The serpent's the one that did it. 
And so God had a meeting. Adam and Eve were standing there. The Bible said that God slain an animal. I believe it was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Slain an animal. He took that blood and he took the skins of that animal and he covered Adam and Eve. He dressed them. I said, God dressed them. God dressed them. You know what, you know what I believe he did? It's just like he does every broken person that there is, whether male or female. He takes that little girl that's been molested and that woman that's been raped or that man that's been, been molested or that, that, that person that's been messed up in life and he calls them in and what God does is he comes to you and he says, come here, honey. Come here, son. I'm not your son, father. How can I be your son? He said, come here. And he puts himself around you. He sent his son to die for you. He, to shed his blood so that he could clothe you in his righteousness. The Bible said, he that knew no sin, talking about Jesus, was made to be our sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If any man be in Jesus, he's a brand new creation. Old things have passed away. Why was I born like this? Why was I born into this family? Why was I born into this poverty? Why was I born into this brokenness? Why was I born into this situation, God? I can tell you right now, you weren't born that way. You were born to be born again. Come on, somebody. See, that's how God fixes it. See, you, you might have been born into the mess. You might have been in a messed up family, but you get born again. See, that's, that's where God steps in and says, look, he said, what you need to do is understand. He said, you might have been born into that in this world and into this system that, that exists in this world. He said, but you can be born again and I'll break the cycle that you're in and I'll bring you out of the darkness into the light and I'm gonna clothe you with my righteousness and my glory. And your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. Now listen, he slays that animal, he dresses them up, he cleans them up, he has to take them out of the garden because the tree of life is there. He said, I cannot let you stay in the garden because in this fallen state that you are in right now, if you eat this, you will stay in this condition. Listen to me. The Bible said, as he's pronouncing upon the man and the woman the way life is going to go, he looks at the serpent and he said, because you've done this thing, because you, devil, did this to my created ones, my man, my woman, you're going to crawl up on your belly all the days of your life and you're going to eat the dust that man was created out of. Listen. And I'm going to send the promised seed. And he's going, to, he's going to crush your head. And you're going to bruise his foot. We know that happened when Jesus came. But listen to me. This is important for us to get this today. I want to, I want to read this to you this morning. Um, I think this is important. In the light of time, let me find it. I was looking yesterday at, at Jameson Fawcett and Brown commentary on this 
on this very subject about, uh, about what God had to say about man, what, what, what God says about man, the fall of man and the end of man. And this is what it says. He says, how striking it is that as in the beginning we found Adam and Eve, the bride. Somebody say, we are the bride of Christ. See, Adam and Eve were married to God. They were married to one another, but they were married to God. You've got to get this. So they were in innocence, in paradise, in the garden, and then Satan came by as the serpent, and they fell. And they were driven from the tree of life, which is really Jesus Christ and from the pleasant waters that existed in Eden. Now get ready. Get ready to praise God because this is what it says. Yet not without a promise. God always gives a promise. You've got to see the care and the love that he has for you and me. How many times, my God, Brother Hughes, I know you've seen this and any other preacher that has seen this, I have heard stories and people come to altars over, the, over all the years of minute, that I've been in ministry and some of it is so heartbreaking and so heartrending. You're thinking to yourself, my God, how are you even breathing? Grown men that were beaten by their father, molested by their uncle, forced to drink alcohol, Forced to take drugs. Children forced to do things. Chained to trees. Chained up and locked in basements. And fed just little portions of food like an animal. People that, that, that come to the altar. And they don't even think they, they're worthy to be saved. They don't even think that they should be on the face of this earth. They've been in and out institutions. They, they don't know how to, to, to communicate with other human beings because of the way that they have been raised. But I have seen that same God in a split second of time when they call upon Jesus get changed that quick. Somebody explain that to me. Somebody explain that to me. Oh, there is no God. Oh, you just hadn't met him yet. The very fact you're breathing, there's a God. Amen. The, the powerful thing about this is that you, you have to see in that garden that God just gathered them to himself. He said, come here, come here, Eve. Come here, honey. I know, I know you're naked, but I'm going to take care of it. Come here, Adam. I know you're full of shame and guilt, but I'm going to take care of it. Devil, because you did this, I'm going to take care of the whole human race. Because you knew that the moment that you could get that man to sin, the whole human race is going in with you. You know you're going to hell. You know you're going to burn in the fire. You know you're headed to destruction. And you know there's no way out because you weren't tempted. They were. You chose to do what you did. And so the power of our Father in heaven sending Jesus Christ for us on the cross. He took care of it all. See, we have no idea. See, it put man under a curse. The Bible says, the, the, the Bible says he has redeemed us who called upon his name from the curse. Woo! 
I'm redeemed from the curse of poverty and death and wickedness and hell. I'm redeemed from the curse that the enemy brought upon humanity. Do you, do you really understand what happens when a broken human comes to the altar and they just repent and ask Jesus to forgive them and to cleanse them? Do you really understand what happens right there? is that God Almighty rolls everything off of them that hell has clothed them with and sets them free in Jesus' name. Somebody say hallelujah. Oh, my God. My God. My God. I got to tell you this. Mm -hmm. I got to tell you this. This is why we got to be born again. Born again, not of a corruptible seed, but of an incorruptible seed by the word of God that lives and abides forever. That's why you need the gospel preached to you. That the moment that that seed hits you, that you receive that into your life and you become impregnated by it, you become born again. Somebody say, born again. His seed energizes you with strength that is supernatural to live a godly life. Listen, once I have been forgiven of my sins and that blood has cleansed me and sanctified me and set me apart, I am ready now for the new life. I'm just ready for the new life. Now listen to me. I was born a baby, totally helpless. Our baby's helpless. Look at that little baby she's holding. Hold that baby up. Hold that baby up. Hold, yeah, I'm talking to you right there. Yeah, hold that baby up. Look at that little baby. Totally helpless. I was born a baby. Somebody say, I was born a baby. This is what you need. If you don't get nothing else out of this sermon this morning, you get this. You were born a babe in Christ. An innocent, helpless baby, not able to fend for yourself. That's why I went to church and they fed me milk. And I read the word. It gave me milk so that I could grow thereby. Somebody say amen. It wasn't long that I began to get strength and I stood up. Anybody ever seen those little babies when they start standing? They're like this right here. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. See, that's the way we are in Christianity. We're little babies that can't even walk. We don't even crawl. But then all of a sudden, we get some strength, that milk. We just keep nursing, and we get stronger. We learn how to crawl. We learn how to start standing and wobbling around. Come on. We may wobble. We may fall down, but we're determined to keep getting up. I've never seen a baby quit trying to get up. Sometime I'm looking, I know I've watched these little ones, my nephews and other babies and all these. I've watched over the years, and I'm like... I see them still say, my God, they're going to hit the head. They're going to bleed. They're going to get hurt. And I'm like, and then there's just the Lord spoke to me and said, how many times you get hit with a brick or fall off a bike or wreck? Or how many times did you skin your knee? How many times? I said, yes, Lord, I understand it now because it's important that I learn that when I fall, it hurts. Amen? Amen? You see, when I keep getting up, it is not long until I learn how to walk. Oh, yeah. Come on, somebody. It's not going to be me holding on to something with a diaper on in the back. I got on one of those depend things or whatever that when you pee in it, it gets about that long and your butt feels like it weighs 100 pounds. Come on. You're thinking, man, I'm weebling and I'm wobbling. And I finally learned how to walk. Somebody say walk. Come on. Somebody say you're learning how to walk. Uh, do you know what a baby looks like when it first starts, starts taking its first couple of steps? And then the parents go, oh, my God, he's walking. Uh, what'd you expect it to do? You call everybody. You call your friend. You call your parents. You call everybody. And my baby's walking. Well, hallelujah. <laughs> Somebody say it's normal. It's normal. See, <laughs> you see, when I kept getting up, it's not long until I learn how to walk. Listen to me. I may not be a straight walker yet. 
But the stronger I get, the straighter my walk will become. Oh, come on, somebody. I got to be patient with myself. See, when I'm feeding people, I'm feeding full-grown people, and I'm feeding babies. And I want you babies to understand that if I say something that's to a full-blown, grown adult, it may not necessarily be to you. You can look over and say, I'm just learning how to walk. You already know how to walk. And pastor just blistered your hide. <laughs> Amen. It's sort of like the younger brother and the older brother. I remember when I was in high school, we skipped school. We'd always walk down to the Jiffy Market. And so I remember me and my cousin Mike and, a, and a, another guy, we walked down to the Jiffy Market and then we uh, skipped class and we came back. And the next day, somebody say the next day. The next day, the assistant principal comes up. Man, he was a strutter. That's the way he walked. He said, I want to see Mike, I want to see David, and I want to see Gary. And so the arithmetic teacher, you'd have to understand, we threw spitballs on the board that were that big, and when they hit it, it looked like nuclear. And so she says, Mr. Harold wants to see y'all. And I'm like, there's that name again. And so I remember, I'm thinking to myself, my daddy's going to kill me. The first thought went in my mind. My daddy will kill me for doing this because, oh, my God. And so we went out, and I'm standing there, and Mr. Harold looks at me and says, look. He said, two of you were identified, Mike and Gary. Now, the other person, we think it's you. And I'm like, and Mike says, no, it wasn't him. I said, thank you, cousin. Thank you, cuz. Because Mike knew, man, your daddy finds out your tail has had it. They'll have to sew a new one on you in the emergency room. Come on, somebody. Amen. See, my walk may not be straight yet, but it's going to be the more I walk it. Come on. I've got to give myself time. We have to give each other room to grow. Come on, somebody. Give yourself room to grow. Listen, you see, you see I may get tempted by the tempter when he comes. Listen, I might get tempted in my youth, but God's word says, he that begun a good work in me will perform it into the day of Jesus Christ. See, I'm telling you, God makes allowances for every age in the Bible, and he expects a lot more out of that man and woman that's grown up in the spirit than he does somebody that just knelt in the altar and gave the heart to Jesus or somebody that's six months old or two years old or three years old. Come on, somebody. Matter of fact, Brother Hagin had a wonderful book on that one that he put out. Growing Up Spiritually, I believe, was the title of it. Ah, oh, yes, now listen to me. You see, he did not start me out to fail, but to be an overcomer. Amen. Uh-huh. When, when the tempter comes, I weeble and wobble. And though I fall, I'm going to get up seven times. Come on, somebody. Many may be the afflictions <laughs> that I go through, but my Lord delivers me out of them all. Amen. If I fail, if I fall, you know what I do? I just go, Daddy. I'm going to tell you one thing. I, I know all about this stuff. But you, you hate to go to God and repent. I used to hate to go to my dad and have to admit that I did something wrong. But a whole lot rather me tell him than somebody else. Amen. Because <laughs> I knew that if I told him, I was going to get off a whole lot lighter than somebody else told him. Come, are you, are you hearing me this morning? Now listen to me. Listen to me. This, the God, this is so important, see. Many are my afflictions, but he delivers me out of them all. When the cross seems too heavy, 
I have to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and despised the shame and was seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I have to consider Jesus. I have to look to him. I have to look to him. And so this morning, the tempter will come. He comes in cycles. You get born again, you go along pretty good, that cycle comes. I've learned how to stand. See, the enemy didn't want me standing. Having done all to stand, I got to stand. And then I break through that cycle. I go through another cycle. Another cycle comes. I'm learning how to walk. I can't walk as straight as the people that are older than I am in the Lord, but the more I walk it, the more I walk. The more I learn, the more I talk it, the more I stay in it. And see, that's the thing about it is that my enemy wants me to stop because I am created in the likeness and image of my Father. The devil is a zero. He can never be above a zero. That's it. He can never be a one. And when he looks at us, listen, in man's worst fallen state, let me put it this way, in man's worst backslidden state, he still looks a lot better than the devil. <laughs> Come on. Hmm. See, this morning, I want you to stand with me. Jennifer, come on up, please. Are you condemning yourself? I mean, are you condemning yourself? It's the enemy that condemns you. Your God is for you. It's the growing process of life that we have to be patient with ourselves. And we have to understand, hey, I mean, you know, I'm sure that you got some, some saint over here who's been walking with Jesus for 50 years and they love the Lord and here I am. I've been serving God for a few years and I do something stupid. Then I'm like, well, I just can't get, I can't, I, I can't go back. I can't, I can't do that. I, I, I just can't do it. Listen, if a bird, look at me, if a bird, man, a bird is ugly when it's born. I don't care what nobody says. How can you look at a bird and say it's beautiful? If that bird grows up and heard you say that, it'd say, you're a liar. Man, it ain't even have any fur. No, nothing, a ball. Somebody say the, the, it's not even a bald eagle, it's a bald bird. It's the ugliest thing. Can't even hold his head up. And mama's feeding it worms. And you think of what the Bible says. He said, your father feeds the sparrows. That lily flower that you see, he clothes the fields of those things. Because he likes beauty. How much more does your heavenly father love you? How much? How much more? Does your father love you? If I were the devil, I would start work every morning and I wouldn't let up. I say, You're ugly, you're no good, you're just a piece of trash. You know why all this stuff happened to you? Because you deserve it. Oh, you're married to them. Oh my God. 
You're married to them? Oh, I wouldn't stay married to them. I, I mean, Lord, you deserve better than that. you got to have better than that. I mean, you know, dear Lord. I mean, you know, hey, God intends for you to have better than that. The devil will tell you anything. It's just like all these kids we're talking about that left home. You deserve to come back home. Come on, somebody. They deserve to come back home. And I got a word for you that this is my father's house and anybody's welcome here. Anybody. All of his creation. Because he wants you to know that he loves you. He loves you. On every head bowed. Right now. Listen to me. God loves you. He sent his son to die for you. He's patient with us. He's kind to us. You might not think that you can do it, but listen, you, you were born a baby. And you got to give yourself time to become an adult. You cannot stop and you cannot quit. You got to understand that your father is calling out your name. Adam, where are you? Where are you, Adam? Oh, I'm naked, God. I'm naked. Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you couldn't do it? Who told you you couldn't live this? Who told you you couldn't walk with Jesus? Who told you? Who told you that you couldn't? See, hey, when you look at me, you're looking at, you're looking at 50 years of serving God. No, you can't, you won't be like me, but you might be better than I am. But you know what? If you give yourself time and let yourself grow, God has big plans for you. God wants you blessed. He wants your family blessed. He wants your marriage blessed. He wants your job blessed. He wants everything about you blessed. And there's not but one thing that can stop that. And that's you. That's you. Today, Maybe you've been dealing with a bunch of junk. The devil's been lying to you, beating you up, beating you over the head, telling you you're this and that. I'm, I'm going to say the devil's a liar. John 8 and 44, Jesus spoke these words. That for your de The devil is a liar. He is the father of all lies. And the truth is not in him. God will never call you a bad name. God loves you. So right now, maybe you've been weebling, maybe you've been wobbling, maybe you fell down, maybe you've been distracted, maybe you've been hurt. See, we could talk about 10,000 different things that the devil would come along and try to trip you up with. But I wonder today, who would venture into the garden right down here at this altar? Where God is, where the presence of the Lord is, and allow him to clean you up, wrap his arms around you, and clothe you in his love and righteousness. Right now with every head bowed, if you're here this morning and you do not know Christ, if you're here this morning and you need a healing touch, if you're here this morning and you've drifted away, if you're here this morning and you just feel like I'm no good, this, this altar is for you and the blood that Jesus shed is for you today. So I want you to step out. Just meet me right here. Meet me right here. The devil tried his best to keep me from walking to the altar. I was broken, hurting, suffering, my God, at the bottom of the, below the bottom of the barrel. I was sitting in the back of that Baptist church and they were singing just as I am when they got to that last stanza I heard the Holy Ghost speak to me 
I said, what are you going to do? I got up, let go of that seat, and walked down to that aisle. I thought it was two miles to the altar. I felt like I'd never, I thought, I said, God, I can't do that. And I stepped out and I started walking, and it's almost like Jesus just reached out and grabbed me and walked with me down. So right now, what do you need God to do today? What do you need Him to do? Step out and come. Meet me right here at this altar today. Meet me at this altar. Come on. You can do this in Jesus' name. You can do this in Jesus' name. Today is your day. Today is your day. I want you to come in the name of Jesus. Meet me at this altar.